we welcome those of you joining us from our traditional worship service or online or listening to the podcast. And again, good morning to our folks in modern service today. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. We are in the midst of a series called Whatever It Takes. Uh, and it kind of was inspired by one of my sons who asked me a question and said, Dad, what if someone kidnapped me and sent a ransom for like a million dollars? I said, well, son, I don't have a million dollars laying around, but I would do whatever it takes to get you back. And I know that any of you would do the same for a loved one. You would do whatever it takes to get your loved one back. And that's exactly what Jesus has done for us. He does whatever it takes to win us back into a relationship with him. He left heaven to come to the earth, to become a human being while still remaining God. He gave up his life, came back to, he died, he came back to life so that you and I can be in a right relationship with God. Jesus does whatever it takes to win us back. And then Jesus says to us in the scriptures that we looked at last week uh, that he wants us to love each other as he has loved us, right? To be self-sacrificing for one another, to do whatever it takes to win other people for Jesus, to let the world that's hurting know who Christ is and to let nothing stand in our way. And we looked at the Apostle Paul, who was a first century pastor, who started a lot of churches in the Mediterranean area, wrote most of the New Testament. He says, I have become all things to all people so that by all means, some might be saved by God, right? And so what we're looking at over the next few weeks is what does it mean in your life, in my life, to do whatever it takes to win people to Jesus? And if you call South Park Church your home, whether you're online or in person, uh, on November 19th, we're going to have a special commitment Sunday where we're going to have a chance to make commitments to serve God in 2024 as part of our congregation, whatever it takes to reach people for Jesus. So thanks for being here today. And being a part of that. I want to start out today with a little uh, pop quiz. I think you're going to do really well at this. You're going to do some fill in the blanks, okay? You guys ready for this? All right. This first one might be a little difficult, the blank blank. <laughs> that could mean a lot of things, right? So in business, uh, what's the most important thing for many people? The bottom line. There you go. See, I told you guys you could do really good at this. You're off the 100%. All right, let's keep going. Uh, the next one, show me the... Money! That's right. Everybody see that old Jerry Maguire movie starring Tom Cruise, right? That was before Mission Impossible 88 came out, right? Uh, so uh, that's Tom Cruise, right? Got the next one. The what stops here? The buck stops here, right? Today in our congregation, we have a very faithful friend, a uh, member of our church who's here most every Sunday, Buck Bloom, who's here. Buck, stop, thanks for stopping today with us, right? Everybody give Buck a hand. That's good. We got another one here past the... Buck, Buck, you're still on, man, right? So when you pass by Buck today, give him a high five. We're glad that Buck is here today. All right, here's one. Blank is the only some, is only something you need in case you don't die tomorrow. Blank is only something that you need in case you don't die tomorrow. We've already said it once. Money, right? That's from Wall Street, the movie with Michael Douglas. That's a Martin Sheen quote, right? You only need money if you're not going to die tomorrow, okay? Uh, Jesus blanked it all. He paid it all. Isn't it interesting how easy it was for us to fill in these blanks with economic language, right? From simple things like pass the buck or the buck stops here to movies, right? We had a couple movie quotes in that. To Jesus paying the price for our sins, right? Economic language speaks to all of us. It has power and it has commonality. What's interesting, when you read the Bible, when Jesus talks in the New Testament, the, the thing he talks about more than anything, with the exception of the kingdom of God, is money. 
So Jesus' biggest topic is the kingdom of God, and his second biggest topic is money. Why do you think that is? Because Jesus doesn't need money. The divine side of Jesus, he's God. He can do anything he wants. I want a big house. Poof, there it is. I want a fancy car. Boom, there it is. Right? I want whatever in the world. Jesus can make that happen. And as a human being, Jesus lived very humbly. He didn't need a lot of money. Right? So why is it, do you think, that Jesus talks more about money than anything with the exception of the kingdom of God? We're going to think about that today. Um, I want to tell you a story about the, one of the former deans of Duke Divinity School, Duke University Divinity School Seminary, a place that trains pastors. In his uh, private life, he was a Sunday school teacher at his church. Uh, how'd you like to have the president of a seminary as your Sunday school teacher? That could be really cool, or it could be really intimidating, you know? Today we're talking about eschatology. Oh, great, I'm glad I'm coming to church today. All right, so, uh, so he, in his Sunday school lesson, he, he sat down, and he did something pretty unusual. He pulled out his checkbook, and he said, this was back in the day when people used to carry around checkbooks, and he said, uh, I'd like to invite all of you to bring out your checkbooks, and let's open them up and see what we love the most. Right? Because how we spend our money is what we love the most. And let's compare what we love the most and compare how much we love God with the way we're spending our money. Right? We're not going to do that today, right? So don't worry about that. We're not going to do that. Uh, I did that at my last church, and that was the last thing I did, right? That's why I'm at this church. <laughs> so, <laughs> totally kidding. I'm not that stupid. I, I, did it, but I am stupid, but I'm not that stupid, right? But his point was... How we spend our money shows what we love and what we prioritize. Uh, And Jesus knows that money is something that can be a challenge to get in between us and our relationship with God. So I want to look at some of those scriptures that Jesus talks about. I want to look at some of the scriptures in the Old Testament. Uh, If you've got your phone cameras, you might want to take some pictures of some stuff. I'm going to go through a lot of scripture today because I want this to be God's word, not Kyle's word. Because um, I have a vested interest. When you give money to the church, right, it pays my salary, right? So that I got to be transparent in that. But I want to talk about what God talks about money in our lives, your life, my life, right? So let's look at some scripture. Uh, this is from Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, right in the very beginning of the book of the Bible. So God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, God created them, right? So you and I are created in God's image, which is really good. There's goodness inside of you. There's great things inside of you. What does it mean to be created in God's image? You, we can be like God. We can love like God. We can forgive like God. We can create like God. You know what else God was? God was generous. God created everything. He gave us the world. He gave us life. He gave us everything, right? So if we're created in God's image and God's generous, then there is generosity lurking inside of our hearts and our souls and our spirits. Right? You are a generous person because you are created in God's image, and God is a very generous God. Okay, let's keep going. First Chronicles twenty nine fourteen. These are the words of King David about a thousand years before Jesus was born. But who am I, and who are my people, that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, God. Talking to God, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. What David says is revolutionary. It rocks the world, right? So the money that's in your bank accounts and your stock portfolios, all the money that you've worked hard for, right? Blood, sweat, and tears, all that, it's not your money. It's not my money. It's God's money. God gave you the ability to make that money. God put you on the earth. Everything in the universe is God's, right? So what we are, we're not owners of money. We're managers. We are stewards, right? So 
how we spend our money is God's money, right? So in your mind, I invite you to think about what kind of a manager am I for God's money? If God came to me today and said, hey, bring out your checkbook, let's see how you're doing. What ways are we honoring God with God's money? And what ways are we not, right? We don't own it. It's God's. We are managers and we will be held accountable to God, right, for how we use God's resources, right? It's, it's a radical shift in the way that we think, right? Capitalist America would say that's not true, right? But we read scripture, right? So something to think about. Let's keep going. Proverbs 13, 11, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. What I take from this is it's important to God how we make our money, right? what we do for a living. So what do you do to make money? Is that something um, that's good? Is it something that's wholesome? Does it build up the world and society? Right? I don't think making money by being a heroin dealer is a good thing. Right? I don't think you're living in, in God's will by doing that. Right? If we're predatory lenders and we're giving money to people that we know can't afford to pay it back and we're charging them high interest rates, I don't think that's a godly thing to do. Right? So how we make our money is very important for God. How we make our money is very important for God, right? Proverbs 3, 9a, honor the Lord with your wealth, right? So how we make our money is important, but also how we spend it is important. How we spend our money is important. Does this expense honor God? Does this expense honor God? All right, so getting back to Jesus and why he speaks about money so much, I think part of it is that money has this unique ability, right, to become what we love more than God. Or the things that we can buy with money can become what we love more than God. It can get in the way of us and our relationship to God. Let's see some more scripture about what, what uh, God teaches us. All right, this is from 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Right? This scripture gets misquoted all the time. Right? What do we think it says? Money's the root of all evil. That's not what it says. Okay? Money's neutral. Money's not good or bad. Right? But the love of money is a root, not the root, a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Jesus talks a lot about love of money because it can break us up. It can break our families up. It can break us up. It has power like nothing else to get between us and God. Let's keep going. This is from Jesus in Matthew 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on the earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, right? What we own can be gone like that, right? We know stock markets can crash. We can be stolen, all that kind of stuff. We can die, right? Uh, But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal, right? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Remember the dean from Duke Divinity School? Where your money is, that's where your heart is. Is your heart with God? Is your heart with something else? Right? All right, one more. This is still Jesus, Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Right? Again, money's neutral. It's not good or bad. We all need money. It's okay to make money. It's okay to spend money. But it has to be in the right order. God's first, right? Money below that, right? God, people, right? money somewhere down below that, right? We can't serve two masters. 
right? So Jesus talks a lot about money because he knows that money has this amazing power tied with greed that can really take us away from God, right? So how do we make money is important. How do we spend money is important. So let's think a little bit right now about how we spend money. Let's go back to Scripture, right? Proverbs 3, 9a, honor the Lord with your wealth, right? So in general, how we spend money is important. Remember, we're managers of God's money. We don't own that. So how we spend our money is very important. So I think one thing that I might invite you to do, right, as you make purchases this week, every time you spend money on your credit card, with your checkbook, right, with your Venmo, PayPal, whatever, ask yourself a question. Does this expense honor God? Simple question. Does this expense honor God? How we spend our money in our lives in general is important. Does this purchase, does this expense honor God? Does this DVD honor God? Does this CD, does this movie, right? Does this stock, does this meal, whatever, right? Does this expense honor God, right? So in general, we're supposed to be careful how we spend our money. Does it honor God? And then in Scripture, it also says specifically, that we should set a portion of our money aside to give to God, typically through the church, so that we can use that money to do God's work in the world. And it also shows that we love God with our hearts, our souls, our mind, and our strength, and we even love God with our wealth. So God, I'm going to set aside something for you, right? I love you more than I love this money. So let's look at what Scripture teaches us about this. This is the hard part, right? This is where we, we get really personal. Right, so we're sticking with Proverbs three nine. We're going to see the whole verse. Honor the Lord with all your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Right. So in the Old Testament, some people didn't have money; they just had crops, and so they were supposed to give God the first bit of their crops. Right. So we have a harvest. We take the first part of that. We give it to their equivalent of church. It was temple, that kind of stuff, so that the priest can use that to to give to other people, that kind of thing. Uh, in the Old Testament, what happens is people are asked to make either a contribution of their crops or their money to God as the first thing. God, we honor you first, right? So in my life, when I get my paycheck, right, in my little ledger, first thing that I carve out for that is the money that I give to God through the church here, right? So it's not at the end of the day, if I have money after all my other expenses, it's God, I love you, I trust you, this is the first thing that's coming out of my, my pay. Right? That's what I do as a pastor. That's what I do as a Christian follower of Jesus. That's just how I interpret this. Right? That's what God's asking us. God is number one. We should be giving to God first. So what does that look like in our lives? Um, Deuteronomy 16, 17. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. Right? So if we have more, we can give more uh, in number. Right? If we have less, we might not have as much to give. Right? So giving to God through the church, through ministries, is to say, hey, God, you're number one. This is my first payment from my wealth, right? And it should be a sacrifice for us. Like, we, we should miss that. We should have a little bit of faith. Like, how am I going to get by without this money? So in the Old Testament, right, the number that was usually tossed around was 10%. It's called a tithe, right? So for most of us to give 10% to God through the church or other Christian things, we're going to miss that. That's a good chunk of money, 
right? If we give God 10%, are we going to be able to live off 90? We're going to have to trust that God's going to provide for us, right? So that was the case. In some cases in the Old Testament, there was more than one tithe. There was two tithes, three tithes, up to 30%, right? That's a lot, right? So, uh, you know, we, we're not bound to that stuff in the Old Testament anymore. Like, you know, you have to give 10%, you have to give, right? But I think that's, that gives us a sense of what we're talking about, right? 10% is something we're going to miss, right? So each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way your Lord God has blessed you. That's between you and God, right? That's between you and God. Let's keep going. This is Mark's gospel. Jesus looked at him, right? You're going to love the Old Testament after you read this. Right? Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me, right? I hope Jesus doesn't say that to me, honestly, right? Give 100% away. What's going on here, right? Jesus met a man who was very wealthy. He's called a rich young ruler, right? And he's wanting to know about God, right, making things right with God, because let me state it for real, very clearly. We don't buy our way into heaven. We don't buy salvation, right? Giving God money is, is not trying to get salvation or forgiveness. No, Jesus paid it all on the cross, right? In this case, this one man, the one thing that was standing between him and God, he loved money more than he loved God. And so Jesus said, in your circumstance, in your, and not, this is not to all of you who are watching today, but in this one man's circumstance, this is what you need to do. This is your idol. This is what you love more than, than me. You got to let it go, right? So 10% looks a lot better than 100%, you know, right? But I think the, the point is, right, what does a sacrificial gift to God look like in my life? Where God's number one, I'm going to miss it, but I, I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to trust God to provide for me, and God's going to do great things with this money that I give to God. I give it away, no strings attached, right? Just give it away, right? That's what we're talking about here, right? Sacrificial giving to God. All right, let's keep going. All right, for everyone who has been given much, again, this is Jesus, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Right, so to those of us who've been given a lot, much is expected of us. Okay, those of us who've been given much, much is expected. Now, a lot of times, if you're like me, I think that I hadn't been given that much, right? You look around and you see other people, what they're driving, where they're living, we're like, wow, you know, I'm definitely not in the top 1%, right? So maybe less is expected of me than what I think it might be. I want you to go check out this website, take a picture of this, right? givingwhatwecan.org, givingwhatwecan.org. You can go on this website, you can enter in your annual income, and it will tell you how rich you are compared to the rest of the world. Right? You are going to find out that you are a lot wealthier than you think you are. I did this. I'll just give you a clue. If you're making more than $60,000 a year, you're in the top 1% richest people in the world. You're richer than you think. More than $60,000 a year, you're in top 1%. I'm in the top 1%, right? We're paying the pastor too much, right? We're paying the pastor too much. Now, of course, the standard of living in America is much higher, right? If you've got $60,000 and you've got a family of four, that's pretty dang tight, right? But I think the point is, we who live in America are very blessed, and we have it much better than we think we do. So we're looking at, at some of these scriptures here. So let's think about um, what this looks like in everyday life, right? So let's do a little exercise here. 
I I made a list of fixed costs. I put fixed in quotes because some of you will disagree with this, and that's okay. Some of you think some of these are not fixed costs. Some of you think that there are other things that I think are discretionary that should be here. But this is how hard it is to deal with money, okay? These are the things that we have to spend money on in our lives, at least from my, my accounting, right? So we have to pay taxes, right? Does that mean that we love to pay taxes? No. <laughs> we'll talk about that in just a minute, right? Uh, if we have family, right? If we have children, right? We want to take care of them. Obviously, children could be a discretionary expense, but if you do have children, it's a fixed expense, okay? <laughs> so it, it all depends, <laughs> right? Shelter, right? We have mortgage or rent. We have to maintain our homes. We have to pay utilities. There's yard work, homeowner association fees, right? It's cost a lot of money to live, right, somewhere. Food, we dine out. We go to groceries, right? You've been to the grocery store lately, like, it's killing us, right? It's just, it's hard. Money costs a lot of money to eat, right? Clothing, uh, transportation, vehicles, maintenance, fuel, uh, you know, maybe it's a bus pass, insurance, right? Health insurance, life insurance, auto insurance, home insurance, there's pet insurance, if you have pets, um, medical stuff, right? We have to go to the doctor. We have to get prescriptions, uh, fitness, take care of ourselves, communication. We all need phones. We all need the Internet to serve in the world. Uh, personal care, right? We all, right? Fixed cost, toilet paper's a fixed cost, okay? Uh, we'll go with that. Office and school supplies, uh, some miscellaneous fees that you're stuck with, uh, and savings, right? Now, some people would say savings is discretionary. I would think it's fixed, right? Emergency savings. If something happened to you, do you have three months' worth of savings? Do you have six months? Do you have a year? Right? What are you going to do if you lose your job or you get sick? Right? We have to have emergency savings and retirement. Right? How long do you want to work? Right? How long do you want to work till you're 90? Uh, maybe you love it. Right? Maybe you're 100. Um, do you want to retire at all? Right? So these are fixed costs. So when you say, how much do I love stuff, right? Do I love the federal government with taxes? No, probably not. But you do love your freedom, right? You don't want to go to jail. You love living in this country, right? If you don't want to live in this country and pay different taxes, we could live somewhere else, right? So uh, what, but what happens here, though, in some of our fixed costs is there's some discretionary wiggle room here, right? So uh, we have to have shelter, we could have a modest abode, you know, an apartment, a home, uh, or a condo, or we could have a huge home, right? We could have a car that gets us from point A to point B, or we could have a car that costs more than a house, right? We could, we could have clothes that are presentable, or we could put a label on our clothes and pay a lot of money for that, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Right, so while we might say that having fixed costs doesn't show what we love, it absolutely does. There is discretion in a lot of this right? Uh, and so, right, if, if I have a house that's more expensive than I can afford, and I can't afford to buy my kids clothes or to let them play basketball or football, right, I love my house more than I love my kids. Do you see how that works, right? We can get really quick into what we love. Like, you could have a car that's, that's awesome, right, but you can't put food on the table for your family. You love your car more than you love your food, do you see how that works? Right, so there's a lot of discretion in fixed costs, right? We know people that don't have insurance because they want to have something else. Right? We, we see different things that go on in life, right? So let's look at discretionary costs. This really shows what we, what we can love. And again, these are just mine. I put it in quotes. You might disagree, right? Entertainment, right? We're in entertainment culture, books, sports, music, theater, uh, all that kind of stuff, technology, 
Uh, there's so many gadgets and gizmos. Um, I probably own every Apple device there is. I'm guilty of all that myself, right? Stuff, right? Shopping, collectibles, toys, right? Whether you're toys for your kids or toys for adults, ATVs, you know, all that kind of stuff. Vacations, pets. Some would say that's a fixed cost, and I love my pet, right? Um, gifts, uh, going to college, right? That might be a discretionary thing. It might be a fixed thing. Depends on where you are. Not everyone can afford to go to college. Um, our vices, Things that we're not supposed to do that are bad for us really cost a lot of money. If you use drugs, that costs money. If you drink a lot of alcohol, it costs money. If you smoke, it costs a lot of money. If you're into pornography, it costs a lot of money. And a lot of people in our culture love vices more than they love their families, more than they love their jobs, more than they love their communities, more than they love God. How do you know? That's where they're spending their money. Debt, right? I would say that's discretionary, right? Debt is an option. Spending more than we have is an option. It's a difference between what we want and what we need, right? So debt can get us in huge trouble, right? That's why a lot of people won't retire on time, because we're servicing debt, right? Allowances for your kids, some might say that is a fixed cost. And then, of course, charity, right? Is God a discretionary cost? Is God a fixed cost, right? So we have all these options in our lives, where does Jesus fall? Where does Jesus fall? Do we have money for Jesus to give to God our money to say, you're number one in my life. I want to support the ministries of the church. I'm going to set this aside. I'm going to live in a smaller house. I'm not going to smoke anymore. You know, what is it? I'm going to drive a car that's less expensive. Right? What do you love? Look at your checkbook. Look at your bank statement, right? And begin to ask these questions. By the way I spend my money, am I honoring God? Am I loving God? Am I loving my family? Am I loving my fellow human beings? Right. So that then becomes a question, what does loving God with my money look like? It's going to look like something different for, for all of us. Right. For some of us, it might be 10%. For some of us, it might be 15%. For some of us, it might be 5%. We might be making minimum wage. We have two or three kids. We're struggling to make ends meet. It's going to look different. There's a story in the Bible where Jesus says a, a little old lady puts two pennies into the treasury, right, at church. And other people are putting in all these vast sums of money. And Jesus said she gave more because it was all that she had, right? That was more of a sacrifice for her, right? So what does that sacrifice look like for you, right? And does it count? Do we give 10% to the church? And then if we sponsor a Haiti child, is that 11%, you know? Do you draw the line? Like, I'm not going to draw lines for you, right? It's just, how do you do that, right? What, what are we giving God money, right, to say, God, you're number one. I'm giving you this percentage to say, you're number one in my life. I trust you, right? It's going to happen, right? One more verse that's really hard. It's hard for me to see this. It's going to be hard for us to think about this. Uh, oh, sorry. I forgot this, right? So as we think about giving to God, some wisdom is right from a spend save give standpoint right you can live off of 80 percent you save 10 percent and you give god 10 percent or maybe you live off 70 percent you save 20 percent you give god 10 percent or maybe you you live off 70 percent you save 10 percent you give god 20 percent right what's important here is that we don't spend all the money that we make on ourselves right we just can't do it right if we're going to be faithful to god right we have to save for the future 
and we want to tell God God's number one, right? So we have to live on less than we make. And that doesn't mean maxing out credit cards on money that we don't have because that just comes back to bite us, okay? All right, let's get to that, that passage of Scripture that really hits me in the heart. First uh, John three seventeen. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? So if I got a lot of stuff and I see people who don't have a lot of stuff, do I really love God? Do I really love people? This is hard. Right? It's hard because as the pastor of this church, we get requests all the time from individuals and other organizations and nonprofits. Can you support us in ministry? And they're great things and opportunities. But at the end of the day, we have to say no to a lot of people. We just, we don't have the resource. We can't save everyone. We can't do everything. We have to be very discerning in that. And that's difficult. It's also true for you, right? We can't save everybody. Every homeless person that's on the street, every Girl Scout that rings our doorbell, right? We, we have all of these requests. We can't save everyone. But I really believe that all of us could do more, okay? Let me give you an example, right? Uh, so... I and my family, let me just give you a guess. How many streaming services do you think we have at our house? Any guess? You got it. Six. That's, that's exactly, that's what you guys got? All right. Okay. Netflix, Disney, Hulu, Apple, um, Amazon, and BritBox. Laura and I like to watch British shows, right? We have six subscription services. I have continual conversations with my sons. Should we add HBO to that? Should we add um, Paramount to that? Should we add the Peacock to that? Right? We could keep going, couldn't we, right? I think it's okay to have subscriptions. It's okay to stream. Like, we, we have entertainment, right? Amazon gives us free shipping. I get ESPN Plus with, it's not really free, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> they're making their money off us, and they're at my house all the time, right? But so... Two weeks ago, we had our friends from Haiti here. I don't know if you saw that interview, but if you didn't, please go back and watch that. And so I just want to thank you all. We, we had uh, 19 people sponsor children from that. We were up to 68 children in Haiti that we sponsor as a church, which I'm really proud of. And we're making a difference, right? So Melissa, uh, who's a member of our church, member of our leadership team, and I took our Haitian friends out to lunch at the hotel right behind you after lunch after church and just we love them we've known them for years and years and years right ultimately they're going to go back to haiti where they have nothing their country's falling apart it's it's war-torn it's ruled by gangs they said we said you know the students that go to that school get one meal a day you know we're sponsoring 68 and there's still over a thousand fifteen hundred kids that are not being sponsored right um i'm going to go back to my house that's big uh it has clothes and closets that we don't use. I have six streaming services, and my friends are starving. Can you go back to that scripture? If anyone has mature possession, sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in them? And that tears me apart. I can't save everyone in Haiti. I can't do it. But could I have five streaming services instead? Could I have four streaming services instead? Do I need all the clothes that are in my in my house? Right? Could I downgrade my house? Could I downgrade my car? Right? When we start talking about what we love in the world, how we spend our money is huge. It's the number one resource that we have. And I'm not saying this to make you feel guilty at all. 
right? I'm just saying it. I struggle with it too, right? These are my friends from AIDS that are starving, and I've got all the entertainment. I, I don't even watch all those streaming shows. But what does that look like in my life? And so I think one thing that holds us up is sometimes we're worried that if we give too much to God, we won't have enough for ourselves, right? And so on this last scripture verses I want to share with you is just how when we trust God with our money, we budget wisely, God takes care of us. Right? Look at these promises from God in the Bible. This is from Malachi 3.8. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you, God? In tithes and offerings, right? The 10% and the offerings on top of that. You're under a curse. Your whole nation is under a curse because you're robbing me. Right? This was to the nation of Israel, which we might could say we could insert the United States into that. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, into their version of church, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. This is the only place in the Bible that God says, test me. Only place in the whole Bible. God says, test me with your money. Right? And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Okay, let's keep going. Matthew six thirty three. this is Jesus. He's talking to people who are poor and they're worried about where will, what will we have enough to eat? Will we have clothes to wear? And this is what Jesus says. He says, don't worry about that stuff. He says, seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness, doing the right thing, and all these things will be given to you as well. You seek God, God will take care of you. Okay? 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly, right, twisting your arm, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Don't give out of guilt. Don't give out of arm twisting. Right? Give out of cheer and love for God. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, not all that you want, right? you will abound in every good work. And one more from Hebrews. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Remember when we talked about the love of money is a dangerous thing? Keep your lives free from the love of money and stuff and be content with what you have. Right? Another question, how much is enough? Right? How much is enough? How much money? How much house? How much car? Right? I get frustrated, all these athletes, right? Tens of millions of dollars, it's not enough money, right? But, but I do that in my own way, right? How much is enough? Be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. So that's a lot about money, okay? So what's the big idea today? What's the takeaway? So what? What's the point? It matters to God how we make and spend money. Right? Will you say that with me? It matters to God how we make and spend money. So just a few things I invite you to think about is action steps, right? Ask yourself this question. How do I honor God with how I make my money? Right? I really want you to wrestle with this. How do I honor God with how I make my money? Right? Second thing, how do I honor God with how I spend my money? Does this expense, does this purchase honor God? And I know a lot of them do, right? But to consciously ask yourself that question. And then to continue to pray about what your financial commitment to God will be in 2024. What does doing whatever it takes with my treasure for God look like? It matters to God how we make and how we spend our money. Now let me just say thank you for sitting through this. This is a hard conversation to have because it hits us in our hearts, right? Money's right where we are. So we thank you for that. 
God is generous. God is giving. God is good. God does whatever it takes to win us back. What does that look like for you when it comes to money? So as our good friend Buck, thank you guys for stopping by today. The Buck stops here. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.